and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 530. That's right. Yeah. Next issue of Green Lantern. Finally. Yeah, who's ready to talk about Night Terror's number three? <laughs> this one's called The More Things Change, right? It is. All right, should we just jump into it? Yeah. Green Lantern number three, written by Jeremy Adams with art by Zermanico, colors by Ramulo Fajardo, and letters by Dave Sharp. Uh, title is, as you heard, The More Things Change. Uh, a month ago, Hal Jordan was t- taking his brand new homemade ring for a test drive, but lost power as soon as he tried leaving the planet's atmosphere. Now he's in free fall, trying to restart the ring with his own willpower. The ring does come back online just in time for Hal to pull up, and it becomes clear that he needs to spend some more time figuring out what the rules are for this new ring. Uh, the, the ring has no AI, no translator. It seems to shut itself off when he tries to leave the planet, and he still isn't clear on how the recharge cycle works. All Hal knows for sure is that the ring lets him fly and make constructs, and with a little more effort, he can, refre- he can reflect the light to make his constructs appear in different colors, with the example of a totally realistic-looking construct gazelle that blends in with the herd perfectly. Back in the present, Sinestro storms into an office building being run by disguised aliens from the planet Lar. Uh, they run some kind of guild that offers aid to its members, and Sinestro blackmails them into supplying him with goons that he can used to storm Ferris aircraft. They kill three of Carol's security guards and injure dozens more, and Sinestro finds the hangar where the drone jets are parked and leaves without causing any more damage. Carol brings in Hal and shows him the security camera footage, and neither of them know what Sinestro wants, but just knowing he's here rattles Hal, who can't stop thinking about what happened on the planet Korrigar. But just as Hal is getting up the nerve to go track him down, Sinestro walks right up to Hal in broad daylight in a diner with a big smile on his face. Then we've got the final chapter of the Jon Stewart backup story titled Rise of the Revenant Queen Part 3, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, with art by Montos, colors by Adriana Lucas, and letters by Dave Sharp. Uh, In the other universe, Shepard, the last of the Green Lanterns, fights alongside his guardian, Jon Stewart. With John's help, the Revenant Queen and her forces are defeated pretty easily. But before John can destroy her, she opens a portal and escapes into the multiverse. 
John can't follow because he needs to stay and rebuild the Green Lantern Corps. So he sends Shepard to find the Revenant Queen and tells him to start by locating that universe's Jon Stewart because she'll absolutely be targeting him. Back in the main DC universe, our John is sitting on the steps overlooking his mom's backyard, talking to a construct transmission from Guy Gardner. Guy wants to know if John is serious about hanging up his ring and just leading a normal life. John is concerned that if he doesn't make a clean break now, he may never be able to find another place where he fits, and the life of a Green Lantern will be all he's got. But despite that, he's struggling because he doesn't know how to handle the kinds of normal, everyday things that we all take for granted. And as they talk, the Revenant Queen's ring flies through space towards Earth. Yep. Should we talk about how Hal flagrantly disrespects the food chain? (laughs) He was just having a little fun. (laughs) Superheroes save lives, Chad. I don't know if you knew this. I felt bad for the cheetah, though. (laughs) What the hell's going on? (laughs) I'm a vegetarian now. Yeah, Hal makes a comment about how he hasn't really made a, a... realistic looking multicolor construct since since the basically since the silver age yeah yeah because he makes the point of saying his original ring that he got from abin sir that he could do that with yeah i remember it being kind of a big deal when kyle was like his powers were growing and building up to ion for the first time and he mm-hmm. made like that that uh waitress that looked super they looked like a real person but it was his his ring construct walking around so but the one alan scott checked out right which now he wouldn't even look at now (laughs) but it makes me wonder like if you're gonna specifically give Hal that throwback power like the ability to make an exact fully realistic duplicate of a person or thing like there's so much you could do with that and i'm really interested to see like is this going to suddenly become a book where where we're never quite sure who all in it is real. Probably not, but that could be very fun. I think they still have the green glow. I don't think that's just an artistic thing letting us know which gazelle is the construct. Yeah, maybe. So oh, yeah. the yeah. the aliens that were run that run that uh that office, they are a reference back to well, I don't know if they're specifically a reference to this, but they first appeared back in 1961 in the third issue of Justice League of America, which Hal was in. Like, Kanjaro kidnapped the League and made Hal and his friends fight a bunch of aliens, and one of them was one of these lizard guys' race. Good callback. I didn't know. I figured they were a reference to something. I just didn't have the the time to check it out. Story credit by Grant Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know this. I think this of both parts of this book, and and both stories. I don't know the, the Sinestro probably because we have no idea what the hell he's doing yet. But the Sinestro stuff still seemed the weakest to me. It's, it seems so unlike Sinestro on so many levels. <laughs> well, it was kind of interesting to see him like try to behave like normal, but without any of the like without anything to really back it up. It's like he he goes in kind of flaunting his Legion of Doom credentials, trying to get what he wants. But like all the villains in the world know that the Legion of Doom is is in disarray at best after Dark Crisis. So like 
that doesn't mean anything right now. <laughs> yeah, I thought that, I did think that I did think that was that was amusing, but the whole, the stuff with the air at Ferris Air, I mean, I don't I know we don't we're not supposed to know what he's doing, so it's not going to have the same kind of impact, but I don't know. I I, I don't it's weird because I, the Revenant Queen stuff hasn't really resonated with me yet. But even though the artwork in this issue is fantastic, the colors are amazing. But mm-hmm. I do think I like that story better than the first. Even though I, I'm not against any of the stuff with Hal in the first part of the story. I just think the Sinestro stuff kind of brings it down a little bit. But maybe that's also residual effect from the fact that the Night Terror's Sinestro backup stories were so kind of lame. <laughs> well, it's funny because both, both the like it, when we look at uh, like the first three issues of this run, you know, subtracting Night Terrors, both the Hal story and the John story are kind of like, they're kind of like totally different approaches to the same kind of thing, because in each of them, we've got here in the present day, the hero is trying to adjust to life on earth and having a, a really awkward time of it. But we also cut to this other point in time and other place where here's where there's like superhero stuff happening and it's and like the the jeremy adams portion is so much more of a slow burn while phil kennedy johnson's portion is packing all of this world building and intrigue and character building into a tighter space and it makes it feel meatier, even though there's less pages of it. I agree with that. I do think there's a lot of substance in the second part of this book, even though it's not particularly sizable in the big picture. But I don't know. I'm, I kind of like the Carol Hal interaction in this one, because at least it was a little less. I mean, it's always confrontational, but le- but at least it's more normal and not, you know, Hal's a dick. Kind of. St- <laughs> Once again, <laughs> you know, it's not like that straight up. A tension between the two of them so i think i i did like the way this one played out a little bit more so i it's it's just the sinestro stuff and maybe because of just the way they've been handling sinestro in this book and which kind of gives me a little bit of pause that maybe the payoff that we're going to get here for sinestro is not going to be it's not going to change my mind and make it seem like oh okay that works fine well i'm thinking the payoff should be coming pretty soon just for at least some of this because like now that we have Hal and Sinestro face-to-face in a room together, like, they have to talk about something. They, like, I don't... Like, this... It's so funny. If Night Terrors didn't happen, we would be talking about issue, what, six right now? No, five? Yeah, issue... Uh, yeah, well... Yeah, yeah um, and, and in a way, it feels like were five issues in because like there have been so many questions piling up so quickly and not only do we not know the answers to them we don't know if they're like how many of them are even related to each other you know is the reason that Sinestro is on earth does that have anything to do with what happened on Korrigar and like it God, uh, I don't even know I don't even know where to what to what to think because it's he at first i'm like okay well he's on earth because of all the dark crisis stuff and that's where he was when that story ended but then we see like this brief glimpse of hal's memory and it's sinestro fighting kilowog on korrigar 
So it's like, oh, was what like do, did like did okay, point blank, did Sinestro kill Kilowog? But at but if we ask that, we also have to wonder, hey, why would Sinestro want to kill Kilowog? And for that matter, why would Kilowog and Hal be on Korrigar in the first place? Right. And is all of this a big misdirection? Like, are we is is like are we supposed to think Kilowog is dead? Because in a scene that I imagine Chad's gonna want to talk about, we see Kilowog on Earth physically interacting with people. Yeah, that's just uh that I'm I'm confident that's just Hal superimposing something over if Kilowog is dead. Again, I agree with you because I mentioned this not too long ago. It's happening so much now in almost every issue. It's like, is this a red herring? Uh, that we're, you know, we're supposed to think he's dead and, and, oh, oops, turns out it's, you know, you know, it's, uh, the new Cat Matui or whatever we were supposed to have or the freaking, it's Sora or, you know, whatever. <clears throat> but, uh, if Kilowog is indeed dead, he's just, su- he's just superimposing, you know, Kilowog being supportive, uh, in the stands or, you know, just, it, it's really the it's Stewie's dad or uncle or something, and he's just he's making it look like Kilowog's there. Yeah, yeah. This whole this whole scene almost feels like a dream, doesn't it? Like yep. Hal is in full Green Lantern mode. He's he's pitching at some random little league baseball game, and he he throws a construct ball, but but like re aims it mid flight to make sure the kid at bat will get a like a home run hit on it to help build his confidence, which is really nice of how to do, but like, and then he just gets a text and flies away. And I'm like, I'm like, what, what is, where did this, did this really happen? Is this all real? And how the hell is Hal have a smartphone? <laughs> I hope I hope the majority of it's real, just because I like the idea of how connecting with the city like this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I keep paging through after Sinestro busts into the to the warehouse. Like I'm looking into the deep background of some of these panels from then on, because like it has to be that he attacked the warehouse to get Hal's attention or something or, or you know, um to bring him, you know, like you would think it's like it, to to bring him to to Coast City, but he's already in Coast City. I mean, he's he's already in Coast City, so like maybe he does it because like, he's following or has a Sinestro has a bead on Carol because he doesn't have his powers, right? We assume. Um, so is he, you know, doing a bit of espionage? It, it's clearly got Carol's attention. So wherever Carol goes, she's gonna let Hal know so he can pick up Hal's trail from there. But then again, Hal goes to this bar, which in the first issue, Sinestro was already at, right? I don't know if it was the same one. It would make sense no. if that's how they run into each other. It's just Hal just happens to be sitting in the the same diner that Sinestro's been hanging out in. That's yeah. my seat, buddy. And I think one of the panels uh, has already shown up online from issue four. Because uh, it's the same scene that um, we get on the final page, but both of them, I think, are sitting down um, at the bar. So I don't think Hal's just going to see Sinestro and start fighting and the bar is going to get destroyed. They're going to actually have a talk at this bar, at least at first. Um, uh, because I know this because when 
the when Jeremy Adams posted the um the image uh from I guess Sermonico that he got of the pencils of the page that I'm referring to from issue four, I was like, you know, I'm excited about all this, you know, hey, we're gonna get this story going. But also why am I weirdly obsessed with the idea that Sinestro is wearing shoes? <laughs> And somehow that blew up on Twitter. I, a lot of people were like, yeah, you're right. I mean, oddly, if you think about it for more than five seconds, how does an alien tie their shoes? <laughs> he's he's like, he has he spent some time on Earth? Yeah, sure. OK, whatever. But like, just just for a minute, p- picture in your mind Sinestro going out to buy his disguise clothes buying shoes and then putting on his shoes and kneeling down to tie them. Like just any alien should any bipedal alien just know how to tie the shoes. No, probably not. I mean, they could probably figure it out. <laughs> I just thought it was strange. Like wouldn't, well, wouldn't an alien like grab like maybe the Velcro shoes instead. Uh, <laughs> something like that. I mean, this is the kind of like, this is the kind of weird slice of life stuff that, that, a book like this needs, you know, like I can't, I mentioned how having a smartphone all of a sudden, like I, I wish we got the scene of like the incredibly awkward trip to the store where Hal Jordan has to ask like a somebody that works there to help him set up his first smartphone. Like, <laughs> like not because it would be exciting or even interesting, but just because it's like, it's, like it, it's kind of it's the it's the with Hal it's the more humorous version of what John is struggling with. Like it's the mundane things about normal life that they haven't had to deal with or even think about for so many years. Like I want to see Hal and Sinestro and all these people just c- collide with that at, because it can be really funny. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm also thinking, Mark, you mentioned he, Hal's not being a jerk. He kind of is being a jerk. Just one, one, she's, you know, hey, where's Nathan? He's at the Pentagon. Hey, you, great. We should celebrate. Yeah, but, that's true. He does do that. Remember Labor Day? You were wearing that. You know, like, oh my God, <laughs> get it through your head, man. <laughs> oh, it, it's actually, there's a worse part because when he is flying to the, the, the landing strip, his internal monologue, is is a uh, Hal basically saying like, like oh here's literally what he said just keep showing up keep being charming use that Jordan's stubbornness to remind her of what we had what we can have again like like Hal's mindset is basically just keep wearing her down she'll say yes eventually just keep wearing her down right I think I think too it gives it gives credence to the idea that if Kilowog truly is dead or and or whatever happened on Korrigar, he hasn't processed it because literally the panel before the one you're just talking about. And he's talking he's he's talking about how, like, you know, the good the the good, you know, we need to talk. Is that good or bad? The good would be she's leaving Nathan to give me another chance. Right. And then he says the bad. Come on, Jordan. Without her, it's all bad. So the only trajectory is up. So like we were talking like. He's just in even even if he doesn't end up being romantic with her, he just keeps pushing and pushing regardless to have her in his life because he has no other coping mechanism, I guess. Yeah, like this is the last gaps, like like uh, not the last gaps, uh, like the 
Like, of all of the things that he could reach for to anchor him in the life he used to have, Carol is the last one. Which is why I'm glad Barry's showing up soon. Yeah. Um, but, like, I think, I think too, it's like, I, I, I think, too, that maybe, maybe that's why he's coming across as creepy. Like, yes, he's being creepy. But also, like, he's so fucked up that he's like, I, I have to have an anchor. She's the only thing I have. It's not like I love Carol. I want Carol. I want to be in her life. I can't let her go that easy. Like any, he, he's like, I need Carol. Like, even if he's not acknowledging why I need her, I have to have her no matter what I got to have her like, and not just like, um, I mean, obviously that sounds super possessive and stuff, but like, a, you know, it's, 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 it's like somebody who like, I, I need morphine to just get through the pain right now. He's like, I need, I need Carol. I need her. So, yeah, it's interesting. Like the seeing how try to adjust to life on earth now reminds me a lot of seeing Kyle decide to leave earth behind at the end of his, his uh, uh solo series. When, when Ron, Ron Mars got to come back to close it out in, because in both cases we're seeing the main character have a very, I guess, small view of what their entire world could be. Because, like, in Kyle's case, like, okay, you lost your girlfriend, you lost your apartment, there's other places you could go. Like, you don't have to leave the entire planet behind because of it. And in Hal's case, he's convinced himself that, okay, all I need is Carol and a job as a test pilot. And he can't have either of them, and he's in full panic mode. When, in reality, like, he hasn't reached out to any of his family or friends. He hasn't really tried to like meet any new people or go into any new places. Like he is, he is in a, you know, from a certain perspective, he is in a very fortunate position in that he has nothing really anchoring him to this one spot, not even a house. And he has a ring that can let him fly anywhere on earth. Like, there's more out there. There's opportunities out there and relationships out there that he's not seeing because he's only looking in one place. Good observation. Think, I think it is true that it's not like there was no evidence of how doing the things that, that many of us have more, some of us more than others have zeroed in on and the negative side since this book started. But I, I don't think it was. It was a lot to me. It was a tad more subtle because it didn't. It wasn't in the foreground. It wasn't the most important thing going on because that's not even. That's not even why Carol like was wanting to see him. Carol, Carol wanted to see him just because. Hey, <laughs> look at this guy, and this is your problem. <laughs> well, it's our problem, but it's mostly your problem because that's why we know it has to do with you. So do something about it. So, just like kind of like the moment they're having when he apologizes and. It's like that's almost like a nice moment between the two of them, which is has certainly been rare since this book has started. So I think that's kind of in my mind, that's how the, the conversation on on the airplane like uh, that. That is more how I the more the most positive aspect of their relationship probably that we've gotten so far in this in this book. Yeah, they they talk to each other sitting on air that airplane a lot. Yes, <laughs> I am so I would be so happy if like the entirety of issue four is just Hal and Sinestro having a really frank conversation. 
because at this at this point like we need to learn something yeah i would say so too it's it's and i think that there are there are plenty of hints that we're going to get some answers real soon so it, it's kind of you can only kick the can down the road so long before people start becoming either disinterested or just getting frustrated so i yeah. think i think at this stage of the game we need some we need we need some clarity one way or the other. But even if it's not the full kilowog reveal, yay or nay, next episode, we need to know a little about we we need something. Either we need to know why Sinestro is on Earth, why he doesn't have his why he's powerless and or completely that a full a real explanation for that. Or and or we need to find out what happened on Korogor. We need something, just like we have to get at some point soon. In the next three or four issues, something that explains what, why, and again, this may be related to the Corridor thing, why Sector 2814 has been basically quarantined. So these things, we, we need some answers because even though it's overall the storytelling has been good. And you would think we'll get it anyway because we don't have a because ba- we don't have a backup story starting next issue. Right. This is all just Hal again. Well, they, they go into the new one, I think. The Sin Center, whatever thing. Oh, you're right. They are doing yeah. that. I forgot. Almost forgot about that. Let me take that back. You're right. So let's see how that. Let's see how that goes. But, but he, it, but he's, but he's writing both, right? Adams is doing both. No, Tomasi. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, Tomasi makes it makes it a plus. But I'm not. I yeah. I tend not to be a fan of these books that have two have have an ongoing backup like this, unless it's like a much bigger page count book. So. So let me take yeah. that back. They could drag. They could drag this out a little longer if they wanted to. Yeah, and speaking of dragging, I, I asked over on Twitter what people were thinking about this, and you know, got a couple of responses. One of which was from Al Pastor, who said, "Maybe I need to reread it, but I thought it was kind of boring." So, like, you know, there, there's definitely people already out there who are like, you know, what? Let's. It, it, it's and I, I actually agree with with them in some cases. Like, yes, this issue issue was well drawn. Uh, it was well told. I got some good stuff, like how you know, obviously it was a month ago flashback, which connects back, I think, to issue one when his his ring runs out of power. You know, we keep skipping around in time and stuff. Um, which is also know. getting, which is also kind of getting old from a storytelling because it it, yeah. it it makes it harder to understand what is happening a and how and how it's happening in relation to other things we've seen when it's a, a week ago, two two days ago, a month ago, it's yet. Yeah. Sorry. Um. So we see, we see him like, you know, he's testing his limits. He's experimenting with a ring. He's, you know, finding out what he can do, what I can't do. Um, and, and so that's cool. And we also, like I said, if that scene at the baseball field is real, at least mostly real, uh, aside from the Kilowog aspect, um, then, you know, him connecting with his city like that, I thought that's pretty cool. But, you know, it, you, you are right. You know, yes, this is issue three, but technically this is issue five. It's time for some answers because like, Jeremy, I say this because Jeremy Adams wrote the two Night Terrors issues. He had the opportunity to give us more information during those Night Terrors issues to tie them in even more to his ongoing story by making even small reveals in those issues. He didn't, which means this is his fifth issue. This is Jeremy Adams' fifth issue with GL, and we still don't have answers on most anything. Which I think so goes to show that Night Terrors came kind of late in the planning stages and just kind of had to get plugged in between issues two and three. And even if that's the case, like, you know, 
that's that's it. That's how it's affecting fans. So like, let's it's yeah, it, yeah definitely. We need to start seeing something. Uh, I don't expect you to reveal your entire hand by the by issue four, but I want to see something. So there's that. But I also want to think, how much do you think of uh, of what Sinestro says inside of that con- uh, that office is bravado? And him just trying to get what he needs for his next stage? and Or is he being sincere about most of that? You mean about how he would uh, rat them out to the heroes or to their boss? Or more specifically, the Legion of Doom will reward you handsomely for doing so. They seem motivated to help me achieve my goal. I think he was just bullshitting. You think so? Yeah, because I mean, like, they, the, the Lalarns, or however you say that, are... Even point out that, well, okay, Legion of Doom, Lex Luthor's in jail, uh, you're a, a hobo, uh, like, like they, the Legion of Doom is, was very publicly thrown to the wind and, and like nobody is going to take that, that kind of offer seriously until they've had a chance to reset and reestablish themselves. Well, I asked because in, and we're not going to talk about the whole issue here on, on thing, but I messaged something to you a while back, Mark, uh, not too long back, actually, about the Dawn of DC Primer special edition. Uh, at the end of that, Waller goes into a meeting with a bunch of different kind of no name villains and stuff, but one assumes that the offer she makes here is extended to all. And she says, then here's the prize, total pardons and clean records to anyone who kills a superhero. Which would, you know, when DC likes to do the whole bold word and italicizes it at the same time, sometimes there's meaning to that. And he says they seem motivated to help me achieve achieve my goal. Would they be motivated in that they want Sinestro to kill Hal? If I mean that's that's making a pretty big leap that his goal is to kill Hal, but mm-hmm. um, in the spread that I'm talking about from the, the Donna DC Primer Special Edition, there's a bu- there's a double page spread with a bunch of heroes with targets on their heads, including Hal, Joe, and John. I mean, I don't doubt that there are dozens, if not more, villains out there who are looking to to take Waller up on this deal, even big name ones that are in the Legion of Doom. But honestly, I think. That when it comes to this Sinestro scene, it might be more important that we're introducing the concept of these Larens and their their uh, hidden in plain sight alien villain guild operation, like their network. Yeah, yeah, like that seems like something you you seed here so you can use it more later, especially if it's a deep cut going back to the third ever issue of Justice League. Okay. Kind of like how also, when he's in Freefall, he makes a reference to this being, you know, this is just like what happened on, on what is it? Slav, like Slavak 5, which sounds like a planet. And after seeing like where the Larens came from, I'm like, oh, is this a specific reference to a sil- an early Silver Age Green Lantern issue? Probably. I couldn't find the name anywhere, but it's probably buried somewhere in there. Like, like this this issue, if nothing else, show me that Jeremy Adams likes to bring forward obscure Silver Age things, not in the uh, the uh, way Morrison did it, which is, hey, you don't know this? Fuck you then. <laughs> but like, 
like this issue reads exactly the same way whether you know those lizard people are a reference and a callback or not yeah morris morrison did it like hey remember this thing from you know this issue 50 years ago or whatever i'm going to continue that same story not give you the information from that story again we're just going to continue like we're picking off picking up right where that left off i expect you to know where we were last time yeah morrison assumes that the entire audience just read those comics from the 50s yeah like with this like this is like this is a better way of doing it where like if you know you know if you don't know it's fine yeah my my last question would be before we get into the backup story would be in this quick flashback we see of Hal and Kilowog fighting Sinestro, they're presumably on Korgar. Is the Sinestro core battery was the Sinestro core battery on Korgar? Do I remember? Was it after they yeah. moved it after Sora moved it off of uh, Mogo slash OO whatever? After they stopped sharing, you know, controlling the universe with the Green Lantern core, where did it end up? Well, they didn't have Warworld anymore at that point, so I think I think it would have gone back to Korgar. Okay, but I don't know if they um, ever showed it to us. Yeah, maybe because of the I, fact. I don't know. I don't know that Korgar would like that either. I don't know. I mean, there there was that plan has gone back and forth over whether or not like Sinestro and also Sora was kind of rehabilitating the image of the Sinestro core. Oh but, shit! No, I forgot. Yeah, if if they're if they're picking up with the whole United Planets thing, then all that stuff is in play, which means when we saw Jessica on Korgar, wasn't it there? The Sinestro Corps was based there. So, yeah, 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 never mind. Forget it. All right. Do we want to move on to the backup story? Let's. So the second story. Who has more thoughts? I mean, we threw out some general thoughts on the second story, but. Um, I like the art. Yes. I think the art is pretty strong. Um, It's not Kirby dots or anything, but what is what is the. um, I don't know. There's 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 some sort of look to or filter or whatever something is applied over the art that kind of makes it almost crosshatch or something in a way i don't know i'm not an artist by any stretch of the imagination it's very sketchy for sure too again like every time shepherd or somebody makes a construct it reminds me of the art style from earth one green lantern earth one yeah it's a lot more like it's a little messier and less defined yeah yeah i like i like it it's like it makes the construct look like something otherworldly and like different from like the, the physical people that are there. Yeah. I have to check is is Montos doing the artwork on war journal. Yes. I just checked. It's the same creative team all around. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Cause war journal, as we record this guy's war journal is next week. So a week after the, um, <clears throat> this issue was released. So that's, yeah, I am. That's exciting. I'm very excited to see what this creative team can do with a full book to themselves. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm I'm very eager to see what's going to be going on with it. Um, and yeah, I don't think I'd, it'd be funny if it had a backup too. <laughs> They're gonna launch the Kyle book off the back of the wardrobe book. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Like, look, something that that's been happening with a handful mm-hmm. of Dawn of DC books is like, you know. They've been getting backups that feature other characters that then spin off into their own ongoings here and or ongoings or minis. And then their backup slot gets given to another character. I think um, uh, one of the Superman books had a power had a power girl backup 
that ended when she got her own book and then it became a steel story instead of a power girl story. And that led into the steel miniseries. So I would love it if, if, uh, giving John his own book now made room for, uh, Kyle or Guy, or if one of them got to be in the back of John's book, like, yeah, more and merrier, get him back in here. Yeah, I'm down. Though I am a little worried here uh, how easily look. So I get that John's on his side, but Shepard seems to dispatch quite a few of these things himself. Um, so how did Guy die? <laughs> if they were, you know, this quote unquote easy to deal with some of them. Um, yeah, I think John's really doing most of the work here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess um, it just it, it irritates me a little bit. Even if it's another universe guy, kill, guy shouldn't be easy to kill. Well, this guy was also significantly older in this yeah, universe. Sure. So there's two very interesting pages towards the end here, both pertaining to the Revenant Queen. The first is what she, well, more than two pages, whatever. There's a, there's a lot implied about a past connection to John and there's the fact that she appears to have some kind of power ring, which we get a yep. close-up of on the final page. And I'm wondering what you guys think about any of that. <laughs> the ring uh, thing is very interesting. Uh, so, because obviously it must, we know in some way, shape, or form, it, had, it it would seemingly connect to the spectrum or be some some weird offshoot like the ultraviolet stuff was. Uh but I think I think that's cool. And it's not surprising because he he kind of hinted at the fact trying to be somewhat cryptic, but still making it still relatively clear that it wouldn't be surprising if we found out that this was that the Revenant Creed ha- Queen had some ties to uh, the spectrum on some level. Uh, so. That symbol so, <laughs> makes yes. my brain does not like this symbol at all because I'm looking at it and I'm like, where have I seen this exact symbol drawn this exact way before? I know I've seen this. Captain and I'm, I, Well, yeah, because <laughs> I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, it's kind of a star sapphire symbol, but not really. And it kind of reminds me of the dark star symbol, but not really. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, this is exactly the way they sometimes draw draw uh, Captain Marvel. Specifically, Janice Vell's uh, Captain Marvel symbol. <laughs> so that's not it. <laughs> but uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe the big twist is Phil Kennedy Johnson gets to do a DC Marvel crossover. <laughs> so at this point, we've had a uh, you know we've had an interview with Phil Kennedy Johnson. Podcast of Oa has, and a bunch of other places too, as we get closer to the launch of the main series too. Um, but one of the things Phil Kennedy Johnson has said is that in exploring John and his family, our John, Earth Zero John and his family, we're going to see his mother and his sister. We're three backups into this thing, and we haven't seen or heard of his sister once. Um, one uh, Is the Revenant Queen his sister? Uh, maybe. Uh, a version of his sister, maybe. I don't know how, I don't know that they he would go that on the nose with it. Um, but I think the Revenant Queen is definitely connected to John himself in some way. Uh, and I don't, and, and uh, in his past, um, 
like I said, we haven't we we've heard a lot from Philip Kennedy Johnson himself about how the sister is supposed to be involved, uh, but we haven't seen her yet. So um, that's my only thing. It's like, man, we've I mean, I know they're just backups, but we're three issues and these are backups that dance between two different universes. So it's not like we get to spend a whole ton of time between these three issues of backups uh, with Earth Zero John. But we were told we'd be seeing John's mother and his sister and we haven't seen her yet. So, um, mm-hmm. that's my, that's my only hint there at all in terms of who it could be, uh, because otherwise I don't think they've given us much. It could be, although I think cause his sister died when she was really young that, well, his sister died when he was really young in that car accident that was revealed from the power of ion. But I don't think. Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson's going that way because one, he didn't know about that story until I told him and two, (laughs) uh, well, seemingly he could have been playing possum. Um, and two, um, I think, uh, the sister has a different name. I don't think it's Rose. Also, there's like, there's no guarantee. Like, well, we don't know what would have happened to the sister in this other universe either. That's true. Yeah. didn't his sister like become the power battery or something. And, uh, well, I actually, I think, actually, his sister may have died in this other universe because he made the power, he put the power battery into human form, which I think means he just reconstituted it as a human, which would mean that it was like, it, it, like, hey, my sister's gone. Here's a here's a copy of my sister. That's also a cosmic power source. But we never actually saw that, right? We were just told that. Yeah, we were just told that. And like his mom was even like, hey, I didn't ask any questions when she you brought her back and she was the same age. But what was that? Why, why is she glowing now? Oh, OK. But don't forget, though, John Stewart now is supposed to be like the Guardian or whatever. And in before he shows up here in the prior backup, he was like he became the Watchfire. Right. Yeah. So what happened to his sister? The battery sister or the original? The battery sister. sister. The battery sister. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. wonder if this is the exact same universe. I'm operating under the assumption that it is. Okay. Because like it still bugs me that not everything seems to match up with how we understood it to work in Dark Crisis, but that might just be something we got to live with. Um, and and for that, I'm operating under the assumption that nobody knows anything about Dark Crisis definitively. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. And we, yeah. And we also get a backup backup in here as a preview for the new Wonder Woman story. <laughs> I am excited for War Journal. This might be the first time a series of backups have made me go. Yeah, I'd like to actually read the series. <laughs> so because I, I do like them playing around with the art. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely cool to, I'm definitely excited to see what Montos does moving forward when he's got more pages to breathe and let his, let his art flow. Because like, yeah, the, the, um, the page with John pulling up like all those constructs in the tank and all that stuff is cool. But also the page where John Stewart is going up against the Revenant queen before she goes off into the multiverse, the way the Revenant queen is drawn and stuff like that. And the flowing hair and stuff like that is pretty cool, too. Yeah. And I always appreciate writers that come up with a way to just casually introduce another human Green Lantern. Because that that War Journal book is going to be 
our John Stewart and Shepard just going for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. No, I'm anxious to see where we go with this and and how everything ends up working out. I still haven't decided which cover I'm going to get for War Journal. Oh god, there's been there's like a million variant covers. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for to continue continue on with this uh with this story because yeah, I mean this is, this whole issue is is kind of just like a reaffirmation of the things we already liked and thought and wanted to know about, but it feels like by the end of it we're turning a corner into the space where things are going to ramp, start ramping up because you, there's only so much dancing around it. You can do once you put Hal and Sinestro in a room together, there's only so much, so much like tiptoeing you can do once you have an entire book to devote to the John Stewart story, instead of just eight page backups. Like I, I feel like next month or not even next month, like starting maybe even next week, we're going to have some much more enthusiastic content to pour over. Yeah, I really hope so. Cause, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, whatever. Uh, the next issue solicits says guest starring the flash and new character debut of Sensen. After Sinestro's attack on Ferris Air, Hal calls in a fast friend for help. This brave and bold duo comes one step closer to uncovering the mystery of Sinestro's plans, all while Hal continues to figure out what it means to be the only Green Lantern on Earth. Plus, meet the all-new character, Sensen, in the first installment of a prelude story to the upcoming Sinister Sons by Peter J. Tomasi and David LaFuente. I don't like that name, Sinsons. It's sin say yeah, sin, it's I mean I know they've denied it, but I, I swear to God, if it's Sinestro's son and they named him Sinsen, I'm going to lose my fucking shit. <laughs> I mean it's it it sounds like a placeholder. Like yeah. we have to call him something until we come up with a real name later. Yeah. Or maybe they're just they're just messing with us. Maybe it's not his son. Yeah, I mean, hey, it could be. They they've said over and over that it's not, uh, but um I I don't buy it. <laughs> you know what? In in that uh that uh text page that got cut out of issue two, where they're like like oh yeah Hal Jordan he's he's reti- retired and on Earth Sinestro un- location unknown John Stewart location unknown everybody else reassigned Kyle Rayner redacted field report so we know there's there's something brewing for Kyle mm-hmm. at down the line. And we know someone died on Korrigar that and like and all of a sudden there's there's what looks to be a Korrigarian child getting a backup story. What if what if Sora died and this is somehow her kid? It does that mean it's also Kyle's kid? Where is Kyle? Mm-hmm. Oh, and don't forget in the solicit to Green Lantern five, it talks about how Sinestro gets his hand on a red ring. Yeah, I fucking hate that solicitation for saying all sorts of shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we shall see. Maybe he'll be fueled by that uh, entity that's still brewing in the core of Earth. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that that old thing. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's what uh, Green Lanterns. Yes, it's yeah. first arc. Yeah, the raid seed. All right. Anything else we want to talk about with these uh, issues tonight? They're this issue tonight. I don't no, think so. I'm just looking forward to what comes next. All right. And speaking of what comes next, what comes next for your channel? Oh gosh, I'm working on a bunch of stuff. Uh, I've still got that that uh how to fix the green lantern core video coming soon as well as a little something for halloween i've got some end of the year content in the works lots of lots of plates spinning and i've also you know the last time i was on i i said i was gonna start posting some more general content no general comic content on my channel and it's been more well received than i expected so i've I've got I've got plans. It's just taking a while because I want to do all of them at the same time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if if you want to see some some what I hope is thoughtful and entertaining analytical video essays about comic books from all over the damn place, you go to Mosaic Comics on YouTube. And if you like what you see, subscribe so you can see more of it. Nicely done, Dan. Nicely done. Well, people want to find us. What do they do? Why would they ever want to do that? (laughs) The places they can find us are dwindling. (laughs) What was that? The places they can find us are dwindling. (laughs) (laughs) I know. We're the kiss of death. We're putting everybody out of business. Rest in peace, Stitcher. (laughs) We should. We could. uh, You know, a lot of people use Podbean. We can say Podbean these uh, these days now. Maybe I have to write it into my little my, my, my little closeout, but I ain't doing it now. So odd bean, it just sounds horrible. <laughs> uh, lanterncast at gmail.com. Lanterncast.com. You can follow us on what you that's not even Twitter anymore either. <laughs> no, it's still Twitter. Fuck Elon Musk. Oh, could you stop that already? Uh, no, I, I still call it Twitter. Yeah, yeah, most people still call it Twitter. The platform formerly known as Twitter. Uh, I mean, that's that's why the rebranding makes no sense. If your name I, is I that w- ubiquitous in the zeitgeist, why would you rebrand? No, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I do agree. I agree with that. That's not that's not smart. That's not smart from a business perspective, nor nor is when people. Well, it's never smart when people are so used to your logo and people decide, oh, we're going to we're going to change the logo that everybody's happy with. And then we're going to make one that's that's so ugly. And it's like <laughs> and that, but, but big companies do that all the time. So follow us on Twitter. Ha ha ha. Like us on Facebook. Hashtag geocast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, we believe. Right. And then, which that's what I think what we were missing. Last time it was Pandora, I think, that technically remember when Stitcher was dying, it was going to be available on Pandora for a little for at least for a while. But we didn't know it was going to be on all the time. We might yeah. be on Pandora. Who knows? We probably should take some time just to search everywhere and see where we are and where we're not. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a text or a voicemail, 708 Lantern and let us know what you think. All right, guys. Talk to you next week, and I'm pretty sure you can guess what the content's going to be about. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.